Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If, if it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Yeah, come on up, Jess. Oh, it's, I will stall for time. It's okay. I have to click. Yeah, just turn that on right there. Yeah. Yeah, so you probably noticed a little bit different uh, of a setup. We're sitting on two chairs uh, with a table with a hip branch um, in, front, in front of us. But we're continuing Missions Month uh, by having this conversation between Jessica Leung and I. Uh, Jess and I have been friends for quite some time now. Um, and we've had actually a few podcast episodes together. I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to it. So, ba- sorry, you can talk too. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Does it work? Okay. Yes. Uh, back in 2021, we had a podcast for a church going, uh, quite a few episodes, and then I kind of got hit with COVID, and that stopped, <laughs> and we never. Had to, uh, we recorded started, two episodes, but we did record together. two episodes together uh, because we'll you were in uh, Vancouver for uh, quite an extended duration of time. Yeah, I got stuck here for maybe seven months okay like for sabbath <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so today i'll just give a little bit of a roadmap. uh today we're having this conversation to continue missions month because of her involvement with missions and how you've served overseas i i know it's a little bit sensitive in inform- information so i'm trying not to reveal too much i'll let her reveal what she would like to reveal yeah if if you want to know more, like specifics, like I'd love to have a conversation with you, like one-on-one or small groups. It's just, uh, yeah, just for security purposes. If things sound very vague or encrypted, we can chat later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, also, after our conversation, we have a Q&A. We're hoping we'll hope to have a little bit of Q&A. So you can scan that. You can submit your questions into Slido. We haven't tested it. Well, we kind of tested it. So it should work. Uh, and we'll have a live uh, feed of the questions. And this conversation, by the way, we had, we had some conversation beforehand. We don't really know where this is going to go, so, which is why I'm kind of nervous about it. It'll be OK. It'll be OK. <laughs> OK. Thank you. Thank you for the assurance. It's a conversation it? starter. That's true. Yeah, like- um, and I think what you're going to notice uh, through our conversation today is what we're hoping for is that Missions and serving is for everyone. Yeah, I, I'm not special, so, <laughs> yeah. 
Do you want to elaborate on that? On what do you mean by oh, you're not special? Uh, well, are we? Are we? We're starting. Let's start it. Let's start. Let's go right oh, into okay, it. Okay. Okay. Uh, right now. Oh yeah. yeah. So I guess. Hi, I'm Jessica. Um, when, when Pete, I haven't been back for a while, but then whenever people introduce me now, especially within the church setting, they're like, "Oh, this is Jessica. She's a missionary," or they'll say, "Oh, she served in East Asia." then the other person will automatically look at me differently or like, oh, and so I can see these like different ideas of, oh, she's a missionary. <laughs> so I'm like, and then I just want to say like, I'm, I'm not like holier than thou. Like I'm not like super special. Like I just happen to live abroad and I happen just to share. It doesn't, it's no different from what you're doing here with people in Vancouver and the lower mainland. Yeah. Like, you don't have to say like, oh, like people always say like, oh, served abroad or served in this foreign country, but you never really say like, oh, I serve in Richmond, I serve in Vancouver. I don't know. So, no. yeah, I'm I'm normal. <laughs> I'm yeah. Not not like. Oh. I remember you sharing when you first stepped in back to your church because you were on the field. Well, you've been away for eight years. Yeah. Ten years. Well, I, I've been, um, yeah, in and out, but living not in Vancouver for like eight to ten years. Right. Like, I've been back here and there, but always in the kind of visit, visiting capacity. Right. So, yeah. And you're serving in East Asia, we can say that. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. five years. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah. Right. So when you first came back from that, um, you're back in Vancouver now. And I remember you walking through our church and... There've been some, you know, new friends uh, coming to Lord's Love, and uh, people were introducing you, like, "Hey, this is Jessica Lung." It's like, "Oh, hi, hi, Jess." And then when it, when they're like, "Oh, she's a missionary," you felt like the seas kind of parted a little bit <laughs> in that moment yeah. where people kind of bow down. Like the the facial expression <laughs> is the eyes widen, like, "Oh, <laughs> like that," and I'm like, "No, no, no, don't go there." <laughs> so, yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm just like you too. Like, I like yellow, and I like spicy food, and. It's normal. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's also why we, uh, why you chose Romans 12 as a passage. Yeah. Uh, to kind I of talk that. about, you know, that selflessness in giving and also selflessness of the, the mission's life, but also how there's a role for all of us. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Sort well, of. that verse, um, well, it ties in nicely now, like when you said that, but I think yeah. also it... It was something very important to me uh, as I made my decision five or six years ago to like move to this country specifically, um, because that part where it's like the transforming, renewing mind part. Um, this particular country, I always grew up like, like not having the best uh, perceptions of it. It was like, oh, it's so, it's so crowded and so dirty and a lot of spitting like oh right like no I don't want to I don't want to go there and going into teaching um people always say like oh if you go there they're always hiring you get you can get paid a lot and whatever I was like mm -hmm. no I'll never go there and then um before I went there it was just kind of yeah my mind being transformed of like Ugh, never going there too hmm, maybe so yeah mm -hmm. I knew that was of God, like right. to change my heart in right. that way. Right. We didn't mention this background, but Jess has a teaching background uh, in elementary school. Uh, I'm not sure what grade. Uh, well, I guess I'm certified to teach, like from kindergarten to grade 12 in right. BC. But okay. I prefer primary grades. I like kindergarten, grade one, 
too. But right. for the past five years, I taught kindergarten and grade one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Ooh. Power Rangers. No, it's um, detect the, the gadget, detector gadget, right? <laughs> Maybe. We'll stay on track. We'll stay on track. So, so here, here, here's the thing too with uh, Jess. Now she's back and doing her master's of education at UBC. So she's doing that for the next little while. Uh, yeah, right? I started in 2020. So right. I'm finishing, uh, I graduate this spring. Okay. Yay. Okay. Early congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, so my, my, my first question, we haven't got into it yet. Um, my first question for you would be, what was your role with the organization? Are we allowed to? No? What's, well, what's your role with the organization that you were serving well, under? We can say the organization because we've okay. been saying it for the past week. So I, was, I, I am with OMF. Um, and so uh, I'll give a bit of background. So OMF is quite a big organization in different parts of the world. And the part of the, part of the world that I was in was in East Asia. And then um, they kind of organize it uh, in like kind of country slash region-ish. And my region also had subgroups, depending on the kind of people groups or specific areas. Um, my sector focused on urban areas because there's this global trend now where it's no longer even split of a lot of people in the rural areas and then people in urban settings, but a lot of people moving into the urban settings. So the ministry's kind of focus is on urban areas just because there's so many people coming into these areas. Um, and so within our sector, we have these things called streams where it focuses on specific ministries. So uh, there's families, uh, emerging churches, marginalized, uh, How do you mean by emerging churches? Uh, like the underground churches okay. and um, uh, yeah, so there are these two other ones, I forget them, but I was, uh, my role is, uh, it, the title is called the Third Culture Kid TCK Education Advisor. Um, yes. What is a third culture kid? What is a TCK? Those are essentially children of families who are serving abroad, working cross-culturally. They're considered third culture kids because they're growing up in a setting where it is not of their parents' culture, it's not of their passport culture, um, but rather like the current context they're in and they're creating this kind of third culture, like a third space. And um, I support the families and the children by providing educational advice, um, support during transitions. Um, essentially, I'm kind of like the person to help the parents clear some like brain bandwidth because they have a lot of other things going on. So I help you know figure out schooling for them, whether it's local school, international school, or homeschooling. Um, try to connect the kids because some of the kids are in remote locations. Um, yeah, the reason why I kind of got into this or was very passionate about it is because I learned that one of the big reasons why families specifically leave the field is because they can't like support their child anymore. There's a lot of issues and things that arise. So um, long story short, I kind of got into this role and serving in that way. Right. So yeah. I know overseas you're also teaching uh, at a school. Yeah, so I taught at a Canadian international school. 
um, in this northeastern city. It's really nice. It's kind of like Vancouver because it's like near the, it's by the water and there's mountains and beaches and really great fruit. And yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. You can ask her more about uh, the people that she's met. She ran a half marathon there. Yeah. I know. Uh, you had that was a, a miracle. That yeah, happened. that was a miracle. You broke in your foot there. Yeah, I broke well. my foot, and then that same year, then I ran. <laughs> like wow. But yeah. Yeah. You also know uh, a lot of exotic, not exotic, a lot of local foods that you tried there. You can ask her all these yeah. questions. Uh, that's about the mission experience. Yeah, there. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But my next question for you was like, how did you? Uh, what was your call to serve overseas like? Like, what was the? How did that? start uh, did you know uh, you mentioned how it was going to be you're like you didn't want to go to that country uh, because of uh, certain thoughts beforehand but how did that kind of inkling to a call start uh, in your life um well i feel like the word call is so loaded it yeah. makes it like sound so important or like so epic you know but uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, well, it started actually uh, when I was teaching in London, England. My time there was ending, and then I could have stayed longer, but then I just felt like I wanted to do something more. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, it was very obvious I'm going to go here, but rather I was open to different opportunities, and then I went for it. So, uh, yeah, long story short was I went on this kind of short experience to Thailand. I was in Thailand for a bit, and I met with my now uh, teammates in the sector. Uh, every year around the lunar holiday, um, we all go to Thailand for like a conference, like to meet all together. And so I went in first as kind of like a helper with like the TCKs. And then I just talked to a lot of, um, yeah, my team, my now teammates there, the missionaries, um, and just listened to their stories of how they basically live life in that particular country and um, just do basically a ministry of presence of like just being amongst, oh, I remember the other marketplace. <laughs> um, yeah, in their work settings or in research facilities or whatever, and then just kind of building relationships that way. So kind of talking to these missionaries, like, oh, they're, they're normal people, and they're just living life, and they're not suffering. They're, like, enjoying life and just mm -hmm. happens to be in this particular country. So mm -hmm. after kind of learning from them about this, like, kind of the my love for TCKs grew and then I wanted to be a consistent, at least one consistent person in their life because something that I learned was um, with these TCKs, uh, they live quite a transient life moving here and there and whatnot and it's hard for them to have a constant person so I was like, oh, I want to be that person and then, yeah, that's where kind of my heart and mind was shifting because it was like, oh, like if you know, I worked there, I would also get the same time off. Mm -hmm. I could come back every time, and if I was in the same place, I can go visit them. So it wasn't like some epic, like, just go there kind of thing, right? right? But it was kind of like through talking to people, and it was like a slow unraveling, and then it was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, the opportunity, like, was there, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I'll go for it. So that's how I got there. It's interesting that you say that because we often think with calling, that is a loaded word uh, that maybe we don't have time to fully unpack here. 
But in terms of, we think that it's like the lightning from the sky, you know, this really big uh, moment where it's like God's yelling from, you know, the sky <laughs> down at us for, through some, some sort of event. But often, as you shared in your experience, there's a bunch of little things that really led you to this point that you're, it was a, a, it was a sequence of, of, of faithfulness, I think, uh, decisions that you made to fo- uh, follow God and that way that led you to serve in the capacity that you did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess uh, the, the other question that it leads to is uh, what are some, you, you mentioned a ministry of presence right there. So do you want to unpack that a little bit? What do you mean by that? Uh, is that something we do here? Uh, is that something you do on the field? I think we do it unknowingly maybe sometimes, but you can yeah. also be very intentional with it. So this phrase, Ministry of Presence, I actually heard from one of my teammates. So she's a mother, um, she's a mother of three boys, all under the age of five. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and she was just sharing with me and some other people how she had, she was really feeling mm, frustrated or struggling like of She's just basically changing her kids' diapers, making meals, and doing all these things. And she felt very kind of frustrated because she felt like she wasn't doing any missional stuff that she was on the field for. But then she kind of realized that, like, oh, she's ministering, yes, to her children, but also just being present with other people and living out, I don't know, and being that person around people, like, Mm. is ministry in a way too um yeah. yeah so uh i think i think we do it unknowingly sometimes but also you can do it intentionally by maybe starting like being the person to initiate a conversation or you know to check in with someone whether it's colleague or friend or whatnot so uh yeah yeah it, it may sound quite straightforward, but with ministry of presence in our conversations we've had, meaning to be present, like really in the moment, and that is our ministry, which is a, not revolutionary maybe, but I think it does change a lot of things because as Christians go, going out into the world, we are called to be intentional. And that call doesn't matter where you are and what context it is, whether it is with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. What does it look like for us to be present in that moment hearing them out, and as we hear them, as, as we're present and in their lives, the opportunities and conversations, it really does come from that. Yeah. So my question, that actually wasn't my question. My question was going to be, uh, what are some misconceptions uh, that, about missions that you had to overcome? Right, because you, you talk about the dirtiness, you know, of the place and, you know, the, the you know, living conditions and all that, which is maybe part of it, but what are some other misconceptions you had to overcome? Well, I grew up in like a church setting, and so I always kind of had that image of like a missionary as someone that like goes out into like the jungle or like goes to this like very remote tribe or is like constantly being persecuted, like running away or suffering and stuff like that. But um, but when I talk to like my teammates and stuff in Thailand, like I, it kind of broke that preconception like they're actually just living their life and like doing Mm. what they do and being intentional 
And then I remember um, I was at one of my teammates' apartments, and then she was talking about that with her daughter, and then she, her daughter, um, no, her, the, my teammate was like, yeah, like people back in America, you know, some might think like we're like suffering or something like that. And her daughter at the time was, uh, I think, eight, and she's like, huh, suffering? Like, we're not suffering. Like, yeah, so you, I don't know, I really enjoyed my life, like, in my city, and so the, there, there are, of course, places around the world where people are mm. being persecuted very intensely, and, mm. and there are places where, yeah, it's quite sacrificial in that sense, but, mm. um, but that's not the only kind of thing, and mm. so, um, yeah, I was comfortable. <laughs> but, but there are points where, remember you sharing with me how it was difficult, especially when it comes to how public the faith can be, but also in terms of the gathering space, because you were part of a church that was, uh, it was a gathering, you know, you couldn't mention the word. Uh, yeah, like, well, I first attended this home church, but then like, a couple months into my first, no, like maybe later in the first year I was there, like um, us foreigners, we couldn't attend anymore. Like for me, like I can easily blend in because I'm, Asian looking, but some of my teammates are like <laughs> Caucasian, so it right. kind of stands out. And right. you know, there's face recognition cameras everywhere and stuff, so we had to, um, yeah, then meet separately. And we met in each other's homes. Um, we had to be mindful of like our phones and things like that, um, but we won't go get into that. But yeah, it was a challenge, like kind of, but at the same time. Um, I really enjoyed meeting in homes and in small gatherings and uh, yeah, it just kind of broadened my view and understanding of what worship and what fellowship can look like and um, no matter how big, no matter how small. So before I left for the past two years, it was just me and my friend, me and my teammate. We would just meet at my apartment, mm. sometimes her apartment for church. Um, the great, the, the bonus of COVID was that all of a sudden there were so many online sermons <laughs> that we could watch before it was right. like, before 2020, it was right. like nothing right. really. And then all of a sudden everyone's online. Yeah, yeah. So we were able to watch some sermons and stuff. I, I'm just reminded, uh, I'm not sure if everyone here knows, we, our church has a subscription to Right Now Media. Uh, so I remember Jess, when you were like, hey, we're, we're all gathering now, we can't do, we don't have access to a bunch of things. Are you able to create an account? And I'm like, oh, this is, I feel so special. I'm creating like, you know, an account for someone else. Secret that's a, another name. Uh, so she can access Bible studies uh, and sermons and talks uh, right in the home there. So you know, most of us were streaming in Vancouver. I don't know if they were, I'm sure they were able to track <laughs> somewhere yeah. or you were at some, another well, account. I, we use like a VPN, so right. it looked like I'm accessing right. it from, right. I don't know, like Sweden or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, maybe, so what, what did it feel like for you to be part of a church that really wasn't, you know, because the church, we're, we're called to be so public, right? So what, what, what did it feel like to be part of a church that under, was underground, uh, that was meeting, and you had to watch out for your phones and recordings, and, and when we had calls, we're like, hey, can you meet, you know, can you use this platform instead, and all these kind of things, like, did it kind of, um, were you going around with that sensitivity of like everyone's watching you? Did they ever feel like you're unsafe? Uh, were there times when you're like, that person, you know, I don't think we can trust them? Uh, any 
Any, uh, there's a lot of questions there. Even your teammate, like, did they go through anything that was? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, like there were some scares and things, and at one point I was like, oh, I'm like a spy or something like that. But um, sorry, you had a lot of questions. That was a lot of questions. Yeah, I had something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how do how do you feel being part of that movement, maybe, or uh, being in your setting? Though? I didn't feel yeah. like I was in danger or anything like that, but I did feel a sense of responsibility because my role, I'm connected to all the families through me, So, um, and a lot of my teammates work in more sensitive kind of situations. The, the reason is also because their, their work visa is tied to their work, and so for any reason, then like, oh, they lose that visa and they have to leave. So it's that kind of sensitivity. Um, so I didn't feel like myself was in danger, but I felt responsibility to keep secure so that it maintains everyone's security and stuff. Um, there was like some, like, one of my teammates like kept on getting this like random phone call. And so we had to kind of adjust in different things like that. And then um, one of the hard things because of COVID, a lot of my teammates, they could not return to our city. So I had to do a little of packing up of their apartments. And that was very strange, packing up someone else's life mm. and like kind of doing calls and like, do you want this? Do you not want that? And like distributing it. But then I couldn't go back to that apartment after Sermontown because then one of my other teammates Th those teammates all in America all of a sudden like called them and stuff like this random person so had to, I was like okay I can't go there anymore but um, I didn't feel any like someone's out to get me kind of thing but I was just very uh, cognizant of my actions the the funny thing though I think it's funny is like we use so much encrypted language in our like texting and stuff right. that sometimes like in different cities different teammates they use a different word for something else and they'll send me a message and I'll be like I, I don't know what that means right? like, <laughs> I was like this is too encrypted and it's so all like just just call me later right <laughs> so uh, yeah um, yeah, we, we've talked about, oh, thanks for sharing that, like, I, we've talked about just the gift of community, mm. how here in our setting, it's, it's so free, right, for us, we can go wherever we want for the most part and have conversations with whoever we want for the most part, uh, and even the gift, like, that, like, I, I remember, I'm not sure we, we talked about this, but Bonhoeffer has a book, Life Together, and a few of us have been reading it together, just in terms of how, when he was talking about in the concentration camps, just every day when they were able to meet, that was church and that was a gift in itself. And, that, and how we can be a gift to one another of reminding ourselves, each other of the hope uh, that we have. So I was imagining that uh, too, like maybe, like you weren't in prison, but then you were of sorts. Uh, right? Yeah, where like we had to, um, like whenever I went, so as my role, I would go visit different cities as well, just to like check out schools and things like that, but also visit teammates. Um, but yeah, like the kind of meeting each other, um, especially those who are in more isolated places, it was very cherished because, yeah, like now I think back, like I haven't seen any of my teammates for like the past two years because we all mm -hmm. got scattered and stuff. And even though I was back in the country and there were some other families that were back as well, like I didn't get to see them because of like the fear of 
like COVID and stuff like mm. that because it was very intense, the mm. COVID protocols. Mm. Mm -hmm. as, as you look back, as you're reflecting, you're like, I haven't seen some of your, your uh, fieldmates? No, that's not the word you use. Teammates, teammates. teammates. Uh, what, what were the most uh, meaningful experiences for you? What was, a mo what, was the most yeah, what was the most meaningful experience for you while uh, you're away on the field? Um, I think for me, it's uh, people just opening their homes to me, um, even if I've never met them before or will never meet them. So many families, uh, whether they're in my sector or like in another sector, like when they hear like, oh, Jessica's in town, it's like, oh yeah, come over for a meal and then we can like chat and stuff like that. So it was like, might be the first time I meet them. So the hospitality, I really mm. like. I like being in people's homes and like to look in their covers, like, oh, you have this, it's so interesting. I'm like nosy. Um, so she's not stealing, all right? Like, like, if she's in your I, home and just I, looking this, at them. This links to my love of grocery stores. Um, but Let's go another, there, your love oh, of grocery stores? Yeah. How, how's that connected? Well, I just like looking at uh, how things are packaged in different countries oh, and like okay. how things are arranged in like supermarkets. And I like watching people buy stuff. It's kind of stalkery, but, but anyways. Um, it's a good confession. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all do it. So, um, uh, but yeah, I think people opening their homes. I remember I went to go visit, uh, just as like a holiday, I went to uh, basically where Russia, North Korea, and China meet. Like it was very northeast. Um, and there was a, f through a friend, teammate, whatever, they're like, oh, there's this family. They're not there right now, but you can use their home to stay mm. in. I'm like, okay, right? So yeah, uh, just like the hospitality of people, like, yeah, come stay with us and just fellowshipping in that way, mm. living life together mm. in their home. Like, don't need to set up an event. Right. Like, it's okay if your kids are crazy, rolling around. Yeah. Like, it's part of life. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what stands out to me as you shared some of the most ex uh, memorable experiences. It wasn't an, an event, per se. It wasn't a camp you put through. It wasn't a trip, though you've went on many around. And uh, it wasn't exciting, like, you know, wild chases in the, you know, out in the wilderness. But it was spending time with people. Uh, those are the most memorable parts for you and how they spoke to you and those, um, yeah. Uh, so another question I have here is, what has God been teaching and showing you recently? And it might be connected to field, it might be back home there. I, uh, um, I think uh, based off, like I was reflecting upon this, this past weeks, and I think something that been learning is like he'll always, well, not always, but like he can part the Red Seas in our lives. Like just mm. like that song that we sang of like, he'll make a way when there's no way. So me, me like uh, being back here was like a miracle. Like the whole journey of getting out and coming back to Canada was quite miraculous. Me in 2020 trying to get back in was quite miraculous as well. Like, it just seemed like there were so many factors playing in of making, it's like, it's impossible, but then it happened. And like, even when I like, like in Japan, like when I left, that was a miracle too. So there are a lot of things that, um, yeah, it seems so impossible, but he like parted the Red Sea. So that's like one thing that 
I've been really learning and continuing to learn. And just like, yeah, kind of the idea of circular learning. Learning is not linear, but rather circular. So just like always coming back and like mm. learning more. Mm. As you sharing that, I'm reminded of uh, you were talking about a conversation you had. Was it someone with London and they had a phrase for you? Oh, no, that was in Moldova. Moldo oh, wow, that's not London. Oh, it's the Vadem Palak thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you want to share about that? Like, I think that's connected. Oh, okay. Right, right. Uh, so, um, so a little backstory. I, I was in Moldova for a little bit. Um, I'd never heard of that country before I went there. Um, but it's this little Eastern European country. And uh, my teammates were a mix of like Moldovans, Russians, a lot of UK and German people. And uh, our team leader, his name was Oleg, and he taught us this phrase. Um, I forgot if it's Moldovan or Russian, and I also am not sure if it is actually Vadem Polak, but I just been saying it is. Okay. Um, but it literally means we'll know when we get there. And I, I remember it was a very challenging phrase for some of my German teammates who love planning and order and things like that. But it's been something that uh, has resonated with me and stayed with me. Like, I won't know until I get there. Like, maybe I know the first step or half of the first step. But yeah, when I get there, then I'll know. So um, uh, why, why is it that that? reminded what I said previously well, reminded yeah it, it was connected for for me uh, in terms of how it's again the people that you've met uh, along the way but also I feel like that's been a theme that God has been putting out in your life as you go it's like it's that simple like he doesn't show you the whole pathway but we'll know when we get there uh, it's this faith step like hey God just shows the next one or two steps and then when you take that step God's like okay Jessica, you're here now, yeah. and then let's see what's next. Yeah, it's it's stressful, like, like for okay, me. Yeah. But it's it's like you know I can say it, and it's like easier said than done. Like I'm that person that likes to plan as well. Well, you know I like freedom, but within like my set parameters kind of thing. But it's something that has continued to be something that. Um, that I've been experiencing many years. <laughs> like, mm. like, I'm trying to plan all these things, but they're you know, time sensitive, like I can't do it there, or there's so many other factors. It's like, okay, I know when I get there, like just one step at a time, basically. And, and I think that does speak into the missional heart as well, which I know you've shared with me about, uh, but in terms of just every day you don't know, really. It's about being faithful in the moment. It's about being present in the moment, whoever it is that you're with, and being in tune with God and hearing from him for the next steps that are, that are to come. Yeah, and... And I obedience, that's another word that comes oh, up a yeah, lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I feel like that's not just, like, yeah, missional, right? Like, if we are to think that we are being missional in life, then I would say, like, you would do that in your daily life as well, not just if you happen to be on the field. Like, I feel like we're always on the field in a sense. It's just that we're in different kinds of fields. Like, mm. you know, if go agriculture, then it's like growing this, growing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sewing as you go. That kind of idea? Is that what like, I Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. That leads into the last question I had before we answer some of the questions here. 
what's the best way to prepare for missions? And I know we kind of already said like missions isn't like a destination you have to go to, but it's everyday life. So I think that would connect with us here. Yeah, when you first sent me that question, I was like, ooh, it sounds like those like, okay, uh, best way to prepare for your trip kind of thing, right? Checklist kind of thing. But right. I think like if we're really trying to embody being missional, then it doesn't matter if, yeah, you're going abroad or here. Um, and I would say the same things that you would prepare yourself to go abroad is the same as how you would prepare yourself here in life generally. Um, yeah, like equip yourself um, with like knowledge, but also protection and stuff. You know, that armor mm, thing, mm, you know? Armor, yeah. yeah, I'm really bad at verses, but you know. And then, um, but yeah, like, I think like there's no necessarily best way to prepare for missions. Like I think similar to how you prepare yourself here, like be abiding to God and have good community accountability with others to journey with um, and fellowship with. Um, yeah. And know your context. Like I think when you were talking about Daniel and like knowing his context, similarly like, yeah, getting to know the sociocultural context that you're in. Because if we're thinking about building relationships with people, you should, yeah, know where they're coming from as well. Mm, yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, and that, that's, that's connected because uh, you mentioned recently too, John 15 has been standing out to you in terms of the, the vine and the branches, uh, how we ought to be connected to the true vine. Uh, that's a plug, by the way. Uh, that's a plug <laughs> uh, because we're hoping to start the podcast again, uh, and Jess is hoping to serve in this kind of ministry, uh, and we're yeah. praying for a name. So it might be called Vine and Branches. I don't know. I don't Sorry, know. is that pre too, too early? Okay, too uh, off, early. Off the vine. Uh, too early. Off the vine. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Or of the vine. Of the vine. So it, it, I don't know. You can, <laughs> we obviously have talked about it. Uh, well, the point is, is to actually to continue on having conversations with people in the church community, and maybe even within our church, outside of our church community, of stories of how they've been staying connected and stories of faith. Yeah, that's a little plug. Uh, totally not really connected. It's okay. Here. Yeah. Um, Yes, I'll move on to the questions. Uh, our conversation is always really rich. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going. But I want to yeah, make sure, sure to get to some of these questions in the few minutes that we do have here. Uh, one of the questions here is, when you first came to Vancouver, what is your first church? Maybe we didn't share about your background a little oh, bit. Okay. But you are part of our sister church. So yeah. I, I grew up, so I, I'm born um, and grew up in Vancouver. And so I grew up in a church with my family Lord's Grace Church, um, which is the sister church of this church. Yes. Um, and we have a joke there. There's Lord's Grace, Lord's Love, and Lord's, Lord's Peace. Peace. And then who's planting Lord's Wrath, as always, <laughs> often. Any hands? No? I thought you were going to say, like, Lord's Hope or something Oh, like that. yeah, that would be a good. <laughs> wrath is intense. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so that was the church that I grew up in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you, uh, you were here and then you were baptized here. Yeah. Yeah, you are baptized. Yeah, this is yeah. your home church for a long time. Yeah, since like, university. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Another question see here. Uh, when, it uh, when it feels isolative or lonely on the field, how do you cope? How do you keep yourself fueled? Fueled? Fueled. Yeah, fueled. Uh... Well, 
I have a really cute dog. <laughs> She's so cute. She was like my companion. Yes, okay. you do have a picture. No, no that's, oh, that, that's me with Dexter. <laughs> Look at my dog. She's so that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. She kept me sane during lockdowns and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it is definitely lonely um, and isolating at times, especially the past two years when a lot of my teammates, like I was basically the only one left in my city. So mm. it was really lonely and kind of traumatic because I was like packing up all their stuff too and shipping it. Um, uh, I think, but I was very uh, fortunate in that one of my friends, she's not technically with OMF, but she's like a teammate in a sense. Um, we would just fellowship with one another in that way. Another thing was staying connected with like friends here. So messaging you and like Jermaine and like other friends. Um, that was really encouraging. Um, and yeah, I, I like to go on walks. So I went on a lot of walks with my dog and would just listen to music or listen to podcasts. But then I started like not listening to anything and just like hearing the stuff around me. And mm. I felt like, yeah, in that mm. way was very rejuvenating and like God speaking to yeah. me in that sense. So I hope that answers your question. We can delve deeper if you want. How do you see yourself living missionally now that you're back in Canada? I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, I think uh, a challenge for me is like, I'm very good at setting up life in a foreign country, but setting up life in a place where I have history is like new territory. So I'm still trying to figure that out. How do I connect with people whom like I have past relationships with, but we're now both different people? Um, like how will that dynamic work out? So. Um, I'm not sure yet, um, but Vadim Palak, I'll know when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one, it's just a few seconds. Do you think you will go abroad again? Um, uh, yeah, a lot of people have asked me that um, because when I come back, the automatic question if they know me is like, oh, how long are you here for? With the kind of assumption that I'm going again. Um, and I've been saying to everyone, like, oh, I'm open to that, right? And before it always used to be, oh, I'm open to yeah, going abroad again. But I also realized that being open also means staying here too. Oh, so, yeah. um, and to me, that seems a little bit more daunting as well. Um, but I don't know. So I'm open, like, um, I know that I'm going to Singapore, I think in June for like a short thing, but dates have yet to be confirmed, but I don't know. So mm. yes, I'm open to abroad, but also need to understand open to being here as mm. well. Mm. So yeah. Thank you. Madame Palak. Yeah. yeah. We'll know <laughs> and, when we get there. And my dog's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Her name is Maggie. There's a question, how old's your dog? Maybe you can quickly oh, answer. Uh, she's, oh, she's turning seven, I think, in November. Okay. Um, I think her birthday's in November, but Oh. And I think she's I won't she's question seven. you on that. Yeah. 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 Let's give uh, Jess thank a you. round of applause. Yeah, thank you, Jess. I'm going to...
I'm going to pray for us uh, just to end this time, and then we'll uh, go into our response song. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, just for this moment, God, to have this conversation with Jessica Leung, and just for your, uh, yeah, your call uh, on her life. God, we thank you for what you're doing, uh, for all the work that she's a part of. We pray, Lord, as she comes back into Vancouver here, that uh, she would transition well, that she'll still connected with you, that she'll be able to find the community, God, that she needs. Uh, Father, we also pray for all of us, Lord, that whatever word you gave us today uh, through the sharing, that you would plant it in our heart and that we will go out and be people of faith, uh, people that live missionally for you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.